0: Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for now.
1: Welcome to Not Safe for Network, I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. Well, let's start out with uh, William Hurt, Past. Yeah. Before we get into the shitty thing about William Hurt <laughs> <laughs> that we all learned, I think, yeah. uh, let's talk about his filmography a little bit. So I first became aware of him when I watched the movie Body Heat with Kathleen Turner when I was way too young to watch Body Heat. <laughs> I was probably like seven or eight, and uh, it changed me a little bit. Thank you, Kathleen Turner. <laughs> I know he was in Children of Lesser God. I never actually got around to watching that's, that one. That's
0: the one we'll have to get into with the sad side of everything.
1: Yeah, he was in Altered States, which was kind of a weird sci-fi movie. I liked Altered
0: States. It was ridiculous, but it was good. (laughs) Yeah. Anything (laughs) that involves a sensory deprivation tank as well as I'm on board with that. I like sensory deprivation tanks. I've always wanted to try one.
1: Me too. And then, of course, there was Thunderbolt Ross, which I think... Most of our audience will be familiar yeah, with on like that. the
0: Hulk, and then he was in WandaVision, right?
1: Infinity War.
0: Yeah. Uh, was he in WandaVision? No, he wasn't in WandaVision. Or no, not in WandaVision, there's no. So there's this guy that's the guy in WandaVision that I think is going to now, I believe, personally, he's going to move in to take the position that General Ross had in the storyline of the MCU, like the SHIELD stuff. He should be in She Hulk.
1: I think I read he that. He was before. positioned
0: uh he was already positioned to be the same type of guy
1: like a government guy who runs yeah. things yeah. yeah
0: like he was pretty redundant with general ross around but now that the actor is gone like he's no longer redundant so i think he, i can see him moving up uh the actor i just saw him on the show uh the rookie that nathan fillion cop show and i was I, every time i saw him i was like is that
1: david harbour and i had to look it up on IMDb. so he has a real dad bod is what you're saying
0: he has well and he has the same like misshaved like not shaven face where he doesn't have a beard. Slavin is the word we usually (laughs) use it's a five o'clock shadow but to be fair he's in the show he's playing a dad whose son is dead and he's like basically angry at the world because of it so it makes sense so what's
1: david harbour's excuse uh (laughs) he got the role for stranger things with that so (laughs) there's
0: nothing wrong with this shaggy dog come on <laughs> that shaggy face is fine all right any other
1: william hurt nuggets before we get into uh, the history of violence oh yeah yeah and
0: that's i think he won an oscar for that one or was at least nominated
2: he might have been nominated it was uh
1: i think he won for children of a lesser god no marley matt she sure. did win for that and he I... didn't that was oh he of... he lost yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I, okay, I didn't dig I guess into we're getting the into deep it. story. I read her reaction, but I didn't go farther than that. But I'm guessing you did.
0: Yeah, she didn't. Marley Matlin is a is a fame is famous. She's actually in a nominated yeah Oscar nominated movie this year.
1: She was not nominated, but she's really fucking good in it. Yeah, Coda, the movie like was All nominated. of the performances are yeah. really good in that movie. And
0: uh, back when she was 19, she was won an Oscar, became the only deaf person, I believe at least if not deaf woman it
1: will be two most likely this year because troy uh uh spacing on his last name but plays her husband in coda he's the front runner he runs the screen actors guild deaf. award yes and he's deaf so, so he'll
0: be the second yeah she was the first yes and so they yes, acted opposite the of each other so yeah. God, she's great she was she's 19... also in a seinfeld as well yep fame uh well known for an episode of that, right? Yeah. Um, She was 19 when she was, in that movie and she and her co-star was uh was William Hurt who was 35 at the time and they got into a relationship which I can't imagine was a balanced relationship from the get-go seeing as how it was like one of her first roles of all time of ever and he'd already done several movies and been in Hollywood for a while and he was chasing an Oscar he didn't win and she won and he resented her for it. And he verbally abused her, and he physically attacked her when he was drunk, and he sexually assaulted her once over the course of their relationship.
1: It's basically the first two versions of A Star is Born, except for he doesn't go out in the sea and drown himself.
0: And he also isn't the one that discovered her. He just worked opposite her, and they Right, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't even get any credit for her performance or anything you know like he didn't go out and find her and make her a star right he was just there i just meant the resentment part yeah no the resentment is completely was i would say sounds pretty manufactured out of his own insecurities you know like and he just projected it onto her as these men mostly tend to do. Pretty uh, unfortunate that he had to do those things, you know? Mars is
1: uh, I was prepared to to give a nice send-off, but it kind of got neutralized when I found out about all that. Yeah, Yeah, you sent me a text after we were talking about it, and then it was like, well, fuck. He was apparently a douchier person than I knew. It's too bad. They usually are. So
2: just for the record, the Oscar he did win was for uh, Kiss of the Spider
1: Woman. Oh, okay. With Ralph Julia. Yeah, it's like a it's a prison movie. It's not a.
0: Is it a serious movie? It sounds yeah, it's a a serious movie.
1: (laughs) It was from the '80s. Uh, My mom was really Um. into it when it came out. I I've never seen it, but I wasn't allowed to. It was rated R. So one other piece of news here up top. So there's a Harley Quinn spinoff. That's been greenlit with Kite Man called Noonan's, which is supposed to be a Cheers-style show with supervillains. Okay. And it's definitely not the villain pub from How It Should Have Ended. <laughs> so, <That's laughs> actually. I added it's that part because that premise is already being done currently on the so internet. It's so
0: good, too. The How It Should Have Ended. Like, yeah. I would be, you know what would get me fully on board of this show? Is if those How It Should Have Ended guys were working on I it. was
1: hoping that we would hear some kind of news about Some kind of connection. Yeah. yeah, but even if there's not, it's a solid idea for a show. We're seeing it constantly and I have a feeling that how it should have ended can't do anything about it because they're constantly using DC characters so right. they probably just have to eat it. Which you know what I is mean? It's
0: unfortunate cuz also they they've got a lot of good ideas that if that th- now the new show can't use those same ideas i mean they're doing the same thing again so that's not even it's not original but then they also it's a good idea so they have to do something different and it could be better but it could be worse it's yeah. going to be compared to it, though, endlessly. They should have just gotten those guys on board. You my know? my you daughter, board? man,
1: I watched Cheers so much when she was a little kid and she used to dance to the theme song. And then as soon as she saw a couple Villains Pub episodes, every time she hears the Cheers theme now, she's like, starts singing the Villains Pub song. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's not where everybody hates your face. It's not the <laughs> lyric.
0: <laughs> That's
1: fun. One of the big
0: differences is that this show will be exclusively back where the Villains pub is like owned by the Emperor, and Voldemort's there all the time, and Bowser is a bouncer. They there. can do Voldemort like if they you want. clean toilets. Yeah, they just they can't use. The huge variety of villains, right? But they can use so, half of
1: them because, like, they can use Voldemort because that's Warner Brothers, you know what I mean? But they, they can do it if but they I wanted don't think to. That
0: they, for this particular thing, that's a spin off of a very specific thing.
1: I mean, they won't, yeah. I'm just saying right. they could if they want to because they, they own the IP absolutely already. absolutely should.
0: No, they should just use <laughs> a Batman villain. <laughs> maybe throw in some villains from like other DC characters maybe that cross they're definitely racially, doing that because like the Lex example Luther. they gave was Lex Luthor yeah. so I they, could see Lex Luthor they
1: said Lex Luthor and Bane hanging out there which made me excited because it sounds like Bane might be the new norm i would. I'm I all about see, that
0: I could see I could see I could see anybody <laughs> that radio. was originally in the Legion of Supervillains like the old school one yeah referencing yeah. any of those meanwhile <laughs> yeah and I uh, <laughs> That's the Legion of
1: Doom.
2: Get some black mana.
0: Yeah. You know who like Batman has probably the most colorful villains rogues gallery, but oh. I think the second most colorful rogues gallery belongs to the Flash.
1: Are we talking about for DC? Yes. Okay.
0: Specifically for DC. Yeah, because I would also say Batman
1: has the best rogues gallery. The only hero that comes close is Spider-Man, but I still don't think he comes close. I think Batman is like a number one and there's quite a drop off to the next.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's. It's different from there's certain heroes that have like huge stables of weird specific villains. And then it gets muddier in other places like the X-Men have this massive roster and then there's like all these other sort of stables. There's the Morlocks and the Hellfire Club. People have switched allegiances between all of them. So it's a lot muddier. But they're also a
1: team. They're not a hero. You know,
0: right. It's yeah. like I said, it, like, it's just way more. It's hard to compare the two. Yeah. But yeah. like with Marvel, I think Spider-Man's like one of the only people that has like this very specific. These are my villains.
1: Yeah. I never noticed it till you pointed Everyone it out, else, but they're mostly science just, based. There's a few stragglers, but most of them are like science gone mad villains. Yeah.
0: Whether yeah. it's a biological mutation or a technological suit. It's yep. Usually a suit. It's often a suit. It's almost yeah. always a suit.
1: Sometimes it's a symbiote. <laughs> yeah, symbiote. Symbiote. Is that how you said it?
0: Yacht, like like yacht rock?
1: Yeah. Mm. Isn't that how? Uh, I just think it's bio. Isn't that how? It's What's bio. her face from from uh, Parks and Rec? Is it symbiot? Jenny Slate? Yeah, Jenny Slate. No, she says symbiote. Oh, that's wrong. Symbiote. Symbiote.
0: The important. <laughs> the important. Thing of it is that you're saying bio, like biology, biological, or bio, biotony.
1: <laughs> biological, baby.
0: That's my symbiote. Biosphere. That's how a, I would say it. A, it's not a biosphere. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I want to Shore? I want to say like. It's not a biodome. Do they say biodome or do they say biodome? In the words of the
1: immortal weasel. I'm not taking it from Polly Shore how to pronunciate words. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? He's got. Because then I'd have to say, she's buddy, buddy. Like, no. You should, though. <laughs> if, <laughs> if it was 1991, should. I would. <laughs> but it's not.
0: You're right. We should be doing it for the anniversary. Oh, no. It's 2022. Damn. We missed
1: it. Okay. <laughs> it's some kind since, of anniversary. It's like since, the 21st anniversary. Just, it's able to drink.
0: 20th. We missed the 20th anniversary. We have to make up for it by saying, weasel. What's that other thing he does? He does like a...
1: Kind of thing, like the
0: yeah. <laughs> like the fava beans, and <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like Hannibal. Nice, Is that what you're a saying? Nice keyen tea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure he was homeless by the time Hannibal Lecter became famous. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Speaking (laughs) of which, uh, I saw a funny tweet the other day that said, like, take the first line from the Avril Lavigne song, Skater Boy, where it's like, he was a boy, she was a girl. Could it be any more obvious? And it's like, make that the tagline for a movie. (laughs) It does sound like the tagline (laughs) for a movie. I picked that. Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Because I really like the idea of Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy being the theme song for that
1: movie. (laughs) Uh, So moving on, Obi-Wan dropped the trailer. Feels like an eternity ago because we had a bunch of trailers dropped today. So many trailers. Let's focus on Obi-Wan for a second. So this show takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Nine years before A New Hope just to kind of like – it's like firm in the middle between Episode 3 and Episode 4. Luke
0: Skywalker is approximately the same age as – Anakin was in episode one? Yeah, like, I guess he that's right. Yeah. Kind of looks it at least.
1: Yeah, because it's nine years before, so he would be 10. Yeah. So whatever Jake Long was at that point. 10 I think sounds was 10. right. I think yeah. he
0: was, or 11. I mean, it's right there. Yeah. He's also the same age as Harry Potter, I think. He started out, he was like
1: 10 or 11.
0: Here's fingers crossed that this new Luke Skywalker kid comes out unscathed.
1: <laughs> Dude, he's hardly going to be in it. I guarantee it right now. It's just going to be Obi-Wan looking at him through binoculars and maybe he says a word to him at one point. But, like, he's keeping his distance at this point. Because
0: there's going to be something that's, like, to save, to protect the boy, you have to leave the planet and go do this fetch quest.
1: There's going to be a fetch quest. They kind of give that, right? Because you hear the Inquisitor talking about it and he's saying that, like, Jedis can't help but be Jedis, right? Right.
0: So. So these Star Wars movies are now borrowing things back from the video games that are based on them. That are now like telling better stories. <laughs> like I've been playing the um, Star Wars, the not Force Awakens. Uh, uh, What's your call? The one that's got the kid that played the Joker in Gotham, <laughs> Jerome. <laughs> that kid
1: i did not hang with gotham nearly long enough to see the joker hang. there
0: were actually two characters that almost became the joker but they didn't quite get to the name and they were
1: brother- and they were twin brothers He's like, I will be the Joker. No, no, they literally. He's looking at a, at a scrambled egg. They literally
0: <laughs> use storylines from Joker stuff. Like one of them, he gets his face ripped off and he ties it back on with a belt. He spends several episodes with his face belted on and like sewed on and shit, which was like a weird period
1: in the comics.
0: And it has not, it's just, they just borrowed willy nilly. Is that like the New 52 everything? era when yes. they, they
1: launched it and yes, then somebody yes. skinned the Joker's face off? I think
0: he t- took his own face-off. Okay. It's nonsense. Yeah. But (laughs) But this Star Wars game has that... The main character is modeled after this actor i forget the kid's name he's fine he's a good kid uh he acts his ass off he's trying real hard good for him anyways if you think about the last uh star wars movie Angelica, i was gonna go there like,
1: when you took a breath
0: we have to <laughs> find the magical Dude, dagger that yeah. will
1: lead us to kylo the, ren yeah. literally starts out with a five minute fetch quest yeah. at the beginning of it we it's see him do a like video five game
0: things. side mission that yeah and like I've been playing the Red Dead Redemption games, and it's like every single mission that you go on starts off with ride from here to this place that's like a mile away, and it's going to take you like three minutes to get there. So you're going to sit there and listen to a bunch of dialogue, as which is just to fill the time because we don't want to fast forward you there. We want to make it take the full time for you to ride your goddamn horse to this hill
1: in the middle of the woods. Because they're giving you a lot of exposition that will come out later in the yeah, game because you're you can, playing Red Dead too. You right?
0: can press. You can even press a button to keep talking, or you can choose to not keep talking. If you're just like, stop, just shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to listen, but to you're my... still gonna
0: have to ride a horse. But you still have to yeah. ride the goddamn well. But I, you, if you put the game into cinematic mode, you can literally just hold down X. I've gotten really good at loading my bomb with one hand <laughs> and holding down X with the other hand while I ride. Life, <laughs> life
1: finds a way. Yeah, life hack. Okay, so Obi Wan. The thing, He's that, leave. the thing that really the thing that really excited me in the trailer <laughs> is that they have the Inquisitors. So these are guys out of rebels, and it's really interesting because second sister uh, is that one of the characters names? I'm, no, I'm I don't.
0: Saying, like, isn't that like their titles are like first brother, first sister, second brother, third maybe, brother, tenth I don't, sister. I don't tenth remember brother. that. Uh, they have a also group called in, the
1: Sisters that like kind of introduce magic into the Star Wars those universe. Those characters
0: are also in the Star Wars video game as well. Okay, and and it's like there is some overlap with those characters, and they're they're the same ones that are in some Rebels episodes. This video so, game is
1: canon, right? But the Inquisitors were started in Rebels, and so basically the back, they're the ones that hunt down Jedis,
0: right? Yes. Order 66. The backstory
1: is any younglings that they didn't slaughter because there was a few and then any force-sensitive kids they find, they can't make them Sith per se because the rule of the Sith is two. Like you can only have two at once. So that's like the Emperor and Vader. Although you see in the comics, the Emperor is grooming quite a few people to knock off Vader in case somebody's stronger. Right. Like that's the way of the Sith. Contingency plans. Yes, contingency (laughs) plans. Or I guess to do weird clones. And also it's a whole
0: idea of the strongest or deserve to be the most powerful. So while they have these people that are in the position of one and two, all of these underlings at any point could like step up and like stab that fucking number two in the back and be like, I'm the new number two. Exactly. Because I'm the strongest.
1: We even see that in Attack of the Clones, right? Like Christopher Lee is Palpatine's yeah. number two and then yeah. Anakin usurps him. Yep. But these Inquisitors, they also have these lightsabers that are like, they they have a handle in the middle and they kind of have a hilt on each side and then when they press the switch, they get a lightsaber on each side and it spins So we saw a tiny bit of that on the trailer, but they also use it to hold it above their head and they make it spin really fast. And then they use okay. the force to give them lift so they can, like, fly. Helicopter dis- yeah, helicopter distances. Human helicopter. But they can That's also, like. So cool. They'll also, like, walk into a place where there's blasters <laughs> going everywhere. And they just, like, hit the spinner thing. And it's just, like, you can't get to them, you know. Right. The Inquisitors are fun, man. Yeah. Because it, it means we're going to get a lot of lightsaber battles is what it means. Yeah. So I'm excited and about And lightsaber
0: that. battles with exotic, not just sword battles with lightsabers, but, like exotic weapon style, like how the Jaffa stick is like a different fighting style from an actual sword fight. You know, you got the little hook part and you do all sorts of swoopy things.
1: And also if a lightsaber connects with the Jaffa stick, the Jaffa stick is fucked. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) There's no way it's holding up. But if you made a Jaffa stick out of uh, Beskar... Yes, then it would... Then it would survive. But, but wouldn't be a Jaffa stick anymore because it's not off of the Jaffa tree. It would be a Beskar stick. Now, what you have to do is you, like, grow Jaffar like seedlings <laughs> and some <laughs> molten... You take, <laughs> it's a molten uh, what if you take a Jaffa
2: stick and then plate it with Beskar? What if you I petrify this.
0: a Jaffa stick and some... I don't know. <laughs> what if you get a Jaffa tree and a Beskar vein and you add a little wine to this.
1: So, Ms. Marvel also dropped a trailer. What'd you guys think about this one? It's clearly marketed for kids, right?
0: Uh, it does seem to have the youngest target audience we've seen so far of any Marvel property whatsoever, but it could just be due to the age of the character. I think it looks interesting. It's setting up the Marvel's movie, it's a 10 episode season, so it's probably going to have about 30 minute episodes as opposed to the longer ones that we have. Makes get sense in the if you're trying series. to
1: get kids, yep. it's more likely uh, to get. Him the set. She's not inhuman. Oh, she's not. She's not. Did they cover that in, in the fact, trailer?
0: She has the they are these bracer things. I forget what they're called, but they were given to Marvel. They're the, what Marvel uses, the original okay. Marvel. So they've the changed comics. the
1: power source essentially. They
0: they have swapped it out with an older character they've they, she has the same power set somewhat with some extra shit but her power is not a it's not genetic or it's not an inherent power which actually serves the narrative that anybody can be a superhero that is part of the core narrative of her story is anybody can be a superhero and when and when she's not terra into being a Superpowers, But when she's got
1: a tool to wield. We should explain that really quick because I'm guaranteeing a lot of the listeners don't know about that. There's this mist that comes out and it turns people into inhumans and or kills them. The inhumans
0: were Kree experiment from like thousands of years ago. And one of the side effects of this experimentation is that some members of the human race carry the inhuman gene, which is dormant, unless they become into the contact with Terrigen Mist, and then it manifests with them gaining some kind of power. And I and think it's it just straight positive. up kills mutants, right? It straight up kills... I think anybody that's not an Inhuman... Well, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's anybody that's not an Inhuman, but there are no mutants in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because they couldn't... It may be that it kills mutants, yeah, but humans are unaffected by it. But I don't know if humans are positive. I think it might... I don't
1: remember what happens with humans. I know it kills mutants because I read a a whole story that was centered around that. Some X-Men that were trapped in a thing and then, yeah.
0: Kamala Khan's powers in this are... They're like... Bands, I think cosmic bands, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying not to mix her. Do they,
1: do they like? spin around and attack people and then go Uh. back on her hands
0: (laughs) (laughs) no they're like they're like they're bracers yeah they're like around her wrist and then onto the back of her hand I believe if you look on the thing she does a punch that like makes her hand look stretchy that's
1: what I was gonna say I really appreciated that because the one thing I've been really worried about with this is in the comics it's a little corny when she uses her powers because like they she like inflates herself a lot and stretches and I was like how is that gonna look in like a show?
0: I know. I've, and so I was I really glad they they
1: did that the way they did it because it works. So I could have already told you
0: what it's like. Uh, not just because she's been in some animated stuff, but I don't really count the animated cartoon-looking stuff when it all looks like a
1: cartoon. I've seen some of that too. Yeah. So
0: she is the main character of the primary storyline for in the, the terrible Marvel's Avengers game on Square that Square made, and there is part of her storyline is her using her powers and being self-conscious about it and being yeah. like, "I look silly." Don't That's I? right I out of the comics. too. And then one of the other car- one of the other Marvel people at one point they like basically take her aside and they're just like, as long as you fucking feel like you're a badass while you're doing it, you will look like a badass because that's what you're going to project is like badassitude. And that really comes through in the game when she is acting confident and like saying things confidently while she's punching somebody. It looks cool. It just does. You know, it's it's all a mindset. It's all a matter of perspective.
1: So the comic, she's basically, she's made to be a very... Well, I was going to say outsider because she's Muslim yeah, and yep. she's in a neighborhood that's Muslim. But the second she steps out of that neighborhood, she has to deal with that. And her parents don't approve of her doing anything that she's running around doing. And so she's got to keep it a secret all the time. And she's also a fangirl of the Avengers and like superheroes in general. But then when she gets her superpowers, she feels like there's something wrong with her and she's a freak because she's also like 13. yeah. And so it's young. just like it's that primate for just feeling awful about yourself, right? Yeah. So I do want one promise from you guys because I know I can't keep you guys off of the comments for other things. Can we just not address comments on this show because they're going to be off the charts because she's Muslim <laughs> and she's a girl <coughs> and it's a Marvel thing. Like this is going to be the most toxic stew ever. And so like if it's an article, fine, but I would just like to keep out of like whatever people say below that because we may have to it's not productive. extend that to the
0: Marvel marvels because man that show is going to be an intersection of isn't this it a character. movie yeah yeah movie show okay yeah, i gotcha. meant to say this movie. Sh- but anyways okay. brie larson is yeah. like probably the most hated marvel character uh actor by that one specific element of misogynistic yes. people yeah agree like man they hated her so much and
1: they also hate her because she's very liberal Yeah. And she's very outspoken. And so you put all those things together. That's like the perfect combination of what they want to go after.
0: All I know is she dated Abed in uh, Community. And they played Pile of Bullets. And they went, bang, 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 bang five, draw, bang, bang. (laughs) And then Vince Gilligan would be like, or Vince not Vince Gilligan is that his name Vince Gilligan is in it the director yeah. he, d- he does the, the game yeah he's yeah. the he's, yeah. it's the same episode yeah it's he's Vince Gilligan it's yeah. like uh, oh you snakes and then like at the end of the p- there's a post credits on that episode where his wife is just like we this can... VHS board game thing's gonna take off and we're gonna be rich let's start our coke habit now <laughs> <laughs> coke money
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you ever play any of those VHS games no, no. I always wondered how they worked when I was a kid and it seems so awesome to me and now as an adult I'm like there's no way that could have been good. Ign- there's just it no way. could have possibly worked.
0: Well and also I don't think I ever saw one.
1: Like I lived in Portland for a couple right. of years. We had a gigantic Toys R Us. The only
0: time I ever caught a glimpse of one would be like at the Salvation Army and it would be missing way too many pieces to be playable.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like most games at the Salvation Army. It's missing Army. the videotapes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: kind of an important component (laughs) of the (laughs) videotape-based video game. i'm looking forward to it yeah. yeah me too
1: yeah me three okay we had a moon knight trailer which i don't want to get too into the weeds on this because it's a lot of footage we've already seen but they show the moon knight suit a bunch and i'm very excited about that they also show a little more of ethan hawk which like just makes me excited that ethan hawk is in a marvel show <laughs> yeah. yeah i just they're fun. really really succeed they get anybody they want at they this really do
0: get anybody right who are they missing Keanu Reeves
1: uh, Keanu Reeves has been in to talk to him many Uma times Thurman. which tells me they've got something for him and they're just not ready to where's announce Frances it where's
0: Frances McDormand at
1: yeah that's a good call get Frances on the phone you know what she may not she she's may not want to do it yeah. ah, she can do
0: it she, no she could do it no, we, she just may not okay, want to okay so this to. is what they do is they get Frances McDormand on board and then use her to convince Joel Cohen to direct, to direct it to direct <laughs> a fucking
1: Joel I don't direct anymore Cohen is or I? Ethan <laughs> Cohen whichever one she's mentioned married to,
0: but she could talk. Joel is
1: retired and and she's married to him, but she still she still did Ethan it with directed. Okay, yeah.
0: Ethan directed her. Yeah, because like, why would she recently... stop? She's
1: not retired and she yeah. made fun of Joel at the Oscars he last come year. come out
0: and do a Marvel movie, man. Nope, Even... he's
1: retired. Th- that's so far from what the Coens want to do. Like, they do <laughs> yeah. not want to be plugged but, into the Hollywood system. Okay, so what system. I'm thinking
0: though is like it's such a well-run machine at this point that he could just kind of show up.
1: Yeah, he doesn't want to. That's that's Sam yeah. Raimi's joint. That's not Joel Cohen's joint. He joke. could show up to like, he should show up to poke
0: Sam Raimi in the back with a pencil like Sam Raimi used to do to Bruce Campbell when they were in high school, <laughs> high school together. I
1: can't wait to fucking see Bruce Campbell and Doctor Strange. Yeah. He's going to be in there. He They're better. trying to make it out like he might have gotten cut. Like Bruce Campbell is talking like, I don't know, I might have gotten cut because there's so many reshoots. There's no fucking way he is going to be in there somewhere. You know, yeah.
0: I did read this little thing about Bruce Campbell today, like little trivia bits about him and it was there was one good one about the movie Crime Wave. Yeah. He not Crime Wave. I've I'm only, sorry. It's a different movie. I was thinking of something else. Crime Wave is the one that he was going in to be the lead for but then the studio was like he can't be the lead and he got bumped down to supporting cast. And uh then the you movie know why bombed. that's a
1: mistake? Crime Wave would still be selling, you know, Blu-rays and 4K if he, was the, 4K yeah. if he oh, was the lead. absolutely cuz he's but like then, a cult guy. So
0: this was a, a different thing where uh he showed up on set just to say hi to sam raimi and sam raimi was directing this other guy why don't you get in the shot buddy and uh well we need somebody to take a punch buddy no the actor really wanted to do this scene where his character engaged with this bad guy pimp that had a backstory with his daughter his character's daughter and sam raimi's like i'm not putting this shot into the movie. But I also want to appease this actor. So, hey, Bruce, throw on this cowboy costume. Go pretend to be a pimp and get the shit kicked out of you by this actor. And we're not even going to Basically, we're not even rolling. We're going to pretend that we're rolling. We're going to go through this scene just to appease this actor so that we can get on with the fucking movie because he won't stop talking about wanting to do this scene. That's never going to make it into the movie. So (laughs) I thought that was a pretty funny little That sounds like something Raimi
1: would do as well. Well,
0: apparently Sam Raimi has been sort of like torturing.
1: Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. For years, he loves it to the point like where an older brother, like a cruel yeah. older brother. is like how dr- it's
0: half drowning him. And
1: here's the thing, though, covering the him actors in blood. love working with him. They know that he torments them, but they all love working with him. It's not. It's not like Stockholm he's at that Syndrome. Stanley Kubrick level. <laughs> I think it's because it seems like Sam Raimi sets are a lot of fun. They do seem fun, and yeah. I think that's why is because like when everybody's giving everybody shit, you tend to take shit a lot more because you're you know, also. So that move
0: in Evil Dead Two, when Bruce Campbell's fighting against his own hand and he like grabs himself by the scruff of his neck and does that front flip. Yeah, Sam Raimi and him like taught themselves how to do that in high school yeah. and used it as a gimmick. Yeah, like they would like stage sh- shit in high school and like he's been using that. Not
1: just that he his did whole it. Career. He did it on eight millimeter films. That Sam Raimi used to film when they're in high school as well. Like it was Sam and Bruce and a collection of friends. I don't think Ted was in it because I think Ted was too young. But it was like this collection Ooh, of Ted. friends, and they would make all these eight millimeter like films all the time. And then when they got older, they made Evil Dead, right?
0: Like Adam Goldberg and his buddies, or uh, what's his name, the kid from uh, the guy that's responsible for Home Movies. Uh, oh, Brendan Small. Yeah, these are these kids that like grew up at that perfect age when like, you know, you first got compact handheld cameras that you could that uh, that were affordable and anybody could just have and then just make these shitty ass little movies as kids in their backyard. And, it's like, also oh, why damn. you're
1: seeing these like amazing directors so that were their first film is you know, so I good once. Yeah, I did.
0: yeah. Myrna Loy. It was like sixth grade, right? And uh, the Myrna you had Loy... Myrna Loy in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <the laughs> how Myrna Loy... old are you, Carl? <laughs> in some ways, you would say the Myrna Loy Center was the fifth character. Okay, because we were like Sex and the City, like the City of New York. So anyways, the Myrna Loy Center had this like little film festival thing, and part of the event was that they had kids, groups of kids that had signed up ahead of time, made a film on the grounds of the Myrna Lloyd during the pre-show thing, like milling about kind of a party. And then during the film festival, they would show them. All these other kids did bullshit. They didn't do actual storyline whatsoever. But I fucking wrote a script, man. And I created, it was a murder mystery. So, so it starts off, we got the, and I, some great kids were in this movie. Mike Prendergast, shout out to my buddy, Mike Prendergast, who is now a lounge singer in like the LA area. So that's pretty fucking cool. I think he's, or maybe he's in, he's in California. I'm pretty sure. I forget <laughs> I forget where he's at, but he's doing good. He seems good. And then Eric <clears throat> Neff, who's another girl who's in it. Uh, She's the murder victim. And then, uh, we went up to people in the, like, just random people in the audience. And, like, Mike was dressed up as it had the police cap and was like, did you do the murder? You know, and we were just, like, ambushing strangers with, like, <laughs> are you the murderer? <laughs> and then we eventually filmed the scene where, like, the guy admits that he committed the murder and they take him to jail. And, and it's just, like, fucking, it was probably the highlight of my entire life. It's all been downhill since sixth grade <laughs> when I made my directing debut. So that's, that's Moon Knight The for worst you. part about the movie. <laughs> wait, we got more on Moon Knight. Hold on. Uh, no, wait, wait. I have one final thing. The worst part of the movie is I was the cameraman and director. And I couldn't keep my goddamn mouth shut. And you can hear me saying dumbass shit in the background because we didn't have any editing to speak of, really. We had to, like, film everything sequentially. So that's, like, the worst part of the movie is my sixth grade voice just, like, ha <laughs> ha stuff like that like really bad it's just like man if i could have edited cut anything out of that movie it would've been myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was a boys trailer did you guys have anything Season to say three about of that the boys
0: so that one thing that's been missing from the show that was in the comics is that the boys themselves take v so that they aren't going to be immediately splattered to a paste when they're going up against a super a soup a Superpowered individual, because really, when you don't have superpowers in the world of the boys, you literally don't stand a chance. No, you don't have a fucking chance, right? And so, one of the first things they do to Huey is inject him with V, so that and he's not happy about it. That's a whole storyline that has not been in the show. Apparently, I haven't watched the teaser trailer for the boys, I, I, I was aware of it, uh, but uh, apparently, there is a scene. Where Carl uh, Urban's got laser eyes. He's got some laser eyes. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm on board with that personally. I like I like the idea of them being super strong and super durable because that gives them they're underdogs, but they're not like completely. They stand a chance. But when you get when you start giving them fucking laser eyes. Then they're like, you're really evening the playing field almost too much with the soups. So I feel like this show is going to continue to diverge from the original comic book in major ways. And I am fully on board for that because Garth Ennis, as much as I like him needs reigning in. He is left to his own devices. He just is a glutton when it comes to the gore and the gross factor and the like perversity. He's just, he can't he can't keep it reined in?
1: Yeah, yeah. I read the comic as well, and I do remember that with the V. And what I remember was it made them so that they could take a punch, but also they were a little stronger, a little bit, and that yeah. was about it. Yeah, like they didn't get any other powers that I recall, which and is, it was like a dose where they knew you can take this dose and it'll last this amount of hours.
0: We did get the spin off series, uh, that I believe you guys talked about last week. So the final episode of the series is the only one that matters if you care about a connection to the main series the final episode is canon and it's a it's a story about homelander's first like mission as homelander and uh his and it and it explores his relationship with black noir yeah it's an important story if you care about the homelander story and if you don't want to watch Diabolical, which I—I I think it's pretty hit and miss. I like. Yeah. Uh, There's a few episodes I really like. One
2: was really good.
0: Though. So good. <laughs> yeah. Weird that he chose to focus it around an old Chinese couple. Uh, but I guess right what you know. And Andy Sandberg's an old Chinese couple. So. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a really good episode. It's really good. <laughs> like, the getting cancer and then the cancer getting the V like enhancement too or some shit. Like, like what the cancer the fuck? just like takes
2: all the V and just like leaves her body.
0: Eating, hung, oh yeah, it was good. It was good shit. Anyways, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, if you try and like explain it, but I would say watch that last episode if nothing else. If you want to stay caught up, and and I have a feeling there will be some things that they will explain in season three, but there will be things that they're going to leave unmentioned because it was in this show.
1: Okay, let's get into some more Oscar reviews. So first, I got Cyrano, which is up for best costume design. So basically, the concept of this was they had Peter Dinklage as the lead, and instead of him having a really big nose, they basically chose being small in stature to kind of replace that in the old Cyrano de Bergerac story. It's a pretty basic story. it You've probably heard about it in some regard if you haven't read the play or the story or any of that, but essentially Cyrano has his crush on a lady, and can't quite bring himself to profess his love to her. She is being courted by a nobleman, uh, Cyrano is working in the city guard, and so he is much feared by a lot of people. He's also very quick with his wit and very good at poetry. The noble is trying to get him to write poems, and he refuses to do it for him in desperation so that she doesn't wind up with that guy. She also has a crush on another new member of the guard, so he starts writing poems for him, which leads to the famous balcony scene where he's trying to profess his love to her, and he's not doing great, and so Cyrano starts to fill in and actually uses his voice. The noble finds out about their love affair because I think they wind up getting married and sends Cerno and the guard to the front lines. So, this is a musical. The music is not great in it. And this isn't just because I'm not a big fan of musicals. Like, it just, the songs don't really quite work. And a few of the people aren't the best singers in it. That being said, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought Peter Dinklage was amazing in it. And I think the only thing that kept him from not getting a best actor nod was probably that he doesn't seem to have the best voice. But man, he is really good in this. He's got a lot of gravitas. And I hope that we get more movies centered around Peter Dinklage because he is really great. And this movie's in theaters right now. Next is Ascension. So this is up for best documentary. It shows the work in factories, social media, water parks, things like that. Um, it's basically just showing the workforce around China and how the workers are treated within those companies and shows the sausage getting made, essentially. They have a lot of points where they show that bosses just have too much influence over their workers' lives. A couple of women talking at one point about how they're always Kind of edging each other out to try and buy their boss lunch because he can give them extra hours. And by that, I don't mean give them extra hours to work, just sign them off with extra hours as opposed to like subtly forgetting to sign them off for hours. So it's really messed up and just time and time again, they show these people almost like they're soldiers like lining up in these conferences and they're basically having to say like our lives are the company, our lives are better if the company's better, things like that. Like they've traded away a big part of their personality just for the companies. Um, they have one image where they show MAGA shirts being made, which I thought was quite ironic. And right on the back of that, they have girls and I mean literal girls making sex dolls and very realistic sex dolls and painting the areolas and it was so many levels of wrong stacked on top of each other and then towards the end they spent some time talking about influencers on the internet and they were saying that basically on the internet you're either being sold or you're selling which honestly was like chilling and absolutely accurate unfortunately this documentary is on paramount plus i think it was made for mtv films i would definitely check it out it's a weird one i mean there's Big swaths of time where there's no dialogue. They're just showing things being made and showing the workers make the thing. So it's an unusual one, but I think it's worth the hang. Next, I got Cruella, which is up for best hair and makeup. So the story is essentially it shows Cruella DeVille from, I guess, a little girl up to Emma Stone's age, whatever that is. I'm guessing early 20s. She has to give up everything because her mother is killed by Dalmatians. You can't make this up. Okay, so they made it up and they gave her an excuse to hate Dalmatians, I guess, but this woman that she winds up going in a competition with when she eventually works for in the fashion design industry was responsible for the Dalmatians basically pushing her mother over a cliff. You know, I feel stupid even just saying this. I really didn't like it. I don't like this push that Disney's been doing to take their villains and spin out entire movies to them because either you soften the villain to a point where it doesn't make sense that they're a villain or you're kind of glamorizing bad people You know, excusing it, things like that. And either way, I just, it makes me feel icky because these are movies made for children. They're not made for adults. You know, like a, a spinoff with a villain and a superhero or something like that is different because you can slap a rating on that where you keep the kids out of the theater, but in no world are there not children going to a movie with Cruella Deville. So I just don't like the concept of it. Not to mention, I'm just going to spoil the end credits. So skip a little bit ahead if you want, but one of the lawyers that helped her out, she gives them two Dalmatian puppies, and then the guy writes a song for Cruella DeVille. That is the beginning of the cartoon for 101 Dalmatians. Now, this all falls apart when you realize in the cartoon she is constantly trying to get these puppies so that she can make a code out of them, but, like, why would she have given them to her lawyer so that then she could go to steal? It doesn't make any sense, so it doesn't even line up perfectly with what they're trying to do either. Either. But this is on Disney+. Plus. Mitchell's vs. Machine. So this is up for best animated film. So this is a Lord and Miller production. I didn't know anything going into this cartoon. I just assumed it was going to be torturous watching it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It had a really good cast. It had Danny McBride, Eric Andre, Maya Rudolph, Conan O'Brien. Like there were some other notable names in it. But basically this is a story about a family that goes on a car trip. There's a bit of a riff that has developed between the father and the daughter. They used to be really close close they're not so close anymore and while they're on the trip eric andre's character invents some new app and he's gonna toss away his old cell phone, and the cell phone is sentient, and then winds up controlling a bunch of robots and taking over the Earth, and they get everybody except for the Mitchells, because I guess the Mitchells are somewhat of oddballs, and so they can't quite calculate what they're gonna do. They have a crazy-looking bug-eyed pug that many of the robots, when they see it, they start to melt down. It's kind of the one plus one equals three thing that they had in Star Trek that makes robots' heads explode, right? Like in this, they see the Pug and they're like dog, pig, dog, pig, bread, and then they explode. It's real dumb and actually real enjoyable. It's an hour 51, which is a little too long for a cartoon, I feel like, but I enjoyed it all the same. You can find that on Netflix. Next is Ray and the Last Dragon, which is on Disney Plus. This is up for best animated film, and the cast included Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, and Benedict Wong. The dragons fought off. Some evil, misty kind of presence that was turning people into stone. Basically, all the dragons turned to stone and one disappeared when it casted the spell that trapped the mist within the gem. And it trapped the dragon into this gem as well. Humanity is kind of going at each other. No surprise. It's just kind of what we do. It's what we're really good at. This father, who's a guardian of the gem, invites them because he wants them to unite. And in the process, they all wind up trying to steal the gem. It gets shattered into a couple of pieces. Everybody takes a piece, but in the process, the mist escapes and starts turning people to stone. The dragon's found, and... Our protagonist, who doesn't trust all the other cities, has to learn to trust everybody because they all have to come together to defeat this mist and and bring dragons back. It's a fun story. I wish uh, it had hit theaters, I believe. If memory serves, this was one that was a pandemic casualty. I think it just went straight to Disney+. Plus. They sold it for like $30 at the time because they were kind of experimenting what to do in that arena. I really liked it. I think it's worth it. It's mature enough where it's not something that you necessarily need a kid to watch. I think you could enjoy it without that. So next is Luca, also on Disney+. Plus. This is up for Best Animated Film, and it's got Jacob Tremblay, Maya Rudolph, Jim Gaffigan, and Sacha Baron Cohen in it. The story is that there's these underwater monsters who, when they touch dry land, they turn to human beings. And Luca wants to see the surface, but his mother is very overprotective and won't let him go up there, even though he's getting hints that other members of his race has gone up to the surface. So eventually he finds a boy and this boy kind of coaxes him out of the water and is also one of the sea monster things. And they have a lot of fun and their dream is to get a Vespa and go across the Earth. Eventually, they go into town to try and get this Vespa, and hilarity ensues. This is actually pretty enjoyable. I really like this movie. It's just well done on every level. It's You can kind of tell when Disney and Pixar is firing on all cylinders, and this is one of those movies for sure. Finally, for feature movies, I've got Writing with Fire which is up for Best Documentary. This is about a newspaper that's written by the lowest in the caste system of India and the women of that caste system at that. It starts right as they're switching to a digital platform. So, you know, the United States was going through this, I want to say about like 18 to maybe 13 years ago, they were starting to do it. And now it's really elevated and you have to have a presence on YouTube. You have to have a presence online to be able to survive as a newspaper anymore because it's just the industry has changed and they're going through this as well they show them going after the mining mafia they're basically the mafia is like doing this illegal mining and it's screwing up the entire town and the town could collapse at any moment because they're digging tunnels underneath and everybody's afraid to speak out because they'll die and they show the reporters talking to everybody and they basically solve this They show there's a lot of roads that are under... And misuse and they start to do stories on them they wind up repairing them they start to hold politicians to account they show the sexism like it's not just with the people that they're interviewing which happens again and again but they keep showing the husbands of the reporters and they want them home cleaning and they're insisting on going out and looking for a story did i mention that this is in india i thought it might be inferred with the caste system but just in case you don't know the caste system this is all in india that that this documentary is being filmed. So towards the end of the documentary, they really focus on the election part. Their YouTube views are growing and growing and growing, and they're starting to hold elected officials... To account, and you can see them do it over and over again. And as this new party gets in, it starts to switch to religious extremism. And so they show behind the scenes how they need to switch the angles of their story. There's one reporter who doesn't quite understand what they mean by angles. And so she had written a story on this religious figure. And by writing the story, it was kind of giving him credence. So she was like, No, like what we need to do is point out what they're doing with this power when they do this, right? Like, this is. All newspapers, all sources are somewhat biased. They're going to tell things through the lens that they want to tell. And so that's the lens that they're picking. It's really interesting watching their process it starts off before their digital presence is created and by the end of the documentary they're over 151 million views in youtube so you watch them like grow and grow and grow in india like this could have been a thing that was devastating switching to digital it is a really perilous thing but because they're serving people who are really underserved they wound up really blowing it up i thought it was really good and it kind of reminds you in case you needed to remember that journalism is really important. They say at one point that journalists are the bedrock of democracy because they hold the politicians to account. I agree with that. They're absolutely crucial. And we get hung up on what news source that we watch or just being negative on the news in general. But the truth is a lot of our lives are better because the news does cover things and Put things out in the light. So it's a very important thing and I was glad to watch that documentary. So let's get into some animated shorts. I'm going to be a little bit quicker about all of these shorts that I'm covering. So there's a fair of the art It's basically this artist lady who tortures animals and describes people in her family who often torture either animals or people. She's getting really wistful thinking about her art and how she didn't get to a place where she could support herself on the art. And she really regrets breaking through. It's kind of hard to feel bad for because you see her continuously torture animals and her husband at that at one point she wants to draw her husband as he's leaping down a set of stairs and she makes him do it over and over again it's pretty nuts the next is the windshield wiper So this is a series of vignettes that are showing various stages and forms of love. They're searching, loneliness, obsessiveness, grieving, ennui, fighting, and longing. But there's never really a description of what you would call a cookie cutter movie or show trope with love. Like, it's actually all these things in love that they don't really consider for movies a lot of the time. Style is really, really good on it. It's almost realistic but not quite it's really beautiful to look at uh the next one is box ballet so this is a russian short it's about a boxer who becomes smitten with this ballet dancer she's being sexually harassed by her director and they fall in love and you see with her she kind of tolerates a lot of this stuff because it comes with the fact that she's a ballerina and there's not a lot of dialogue there's a little bit but not a lot But most of her ends of things is like her putting up with being harassed by the director because that's the price of being a ballerina and you see him in the box and constantly just getting the shit beaten out of him and it doesn't just end there it's like most things in his life come back to just beat the crap out of him but he's got this really big heart and so even though he's being crapped on continuously he doesn't really seem to perceive it that way and so it's really interesting watching these two people how they have different personalities and different roles but how alike they are and how they could find each other it's a really beautiful short uh then rob Robert- Robin Robin. So this is on Netflix. And this is about a Robin who is adopted by a mouse family and is really bad at sneaking around because the maestro is going into houses trying to get crumbs. They don't want the humans to know about them because they'll get a cat, you know, or they'll like put out rat poison or something. So one day the Robin goes out at night because she's kind of bummed out that she wasn't good and she wants to go sneak a whole half a sandwich to impress the family. But once again, Robin's really bad at sneaking around. Somehow winds up teaming up with a magpie who's broken its wing, which is voiced by Richard E. Grant. And he points out a star on top of a Christmas tree and says that it grants humans their wishes. That's why they're able to have a nice warm house and all of these things. Of course, the Robin buys into it. so. They go to try and take the star, and it's being guarded by a Jillian Anderson-voiced cat. And this cat is, like, dangerous and sultry. Like, I kind of fucking love it. This is the one that has an art style closest to what you would think of with, like, Disney or Pixar, who doesn't have any shorts this year. Interestingly enough, they almost always have at least one Pixar short. And I kind of suspect it's because they haven't been able to get as many movies out in the theater that were animated. And so I think that plays a part in it. But it's pretty good. I'd recommend it. And then Bestia, which is stop motion and it's about this torturer from chile who has a very inappropriate relationship with its dog i'm gonna leave it at that you have to see it to believe it it's pretty fucked up there are women being brought into her basement that she then tortures uh this is incredibly disturbing if you really like tool videos Or you really like David Cronenberg, I suggest this short for you. If either of those things makes you blanch, maybe skip this one. So finally, I'm going to do some documentary shorts. There's The Queen of Basketball, When the NBA Officially Drafted a Woman. So Lucia or Lucy Harris had won three straight college championships and a silver medal in her first year that women were allowed to compete in the Olympics. Uh, So she had a bit of a pedigree and they show a lot of footage of her playing and talking about the process of getting into it, you know, like. How they felt after certain games, how they were perceived. Like they went up against this college champion who beat them her freshman year and they had won three straight championships. So they decided they were going to win three straight championships and they did it. Finally, she gets drafted by the New Orleans Jazz. Yes, that was a team way back, way a long time ago, which is why the Utah Jazz is a thing because it doesn't make sense to be called the Jazz if you're in Utah. It's because they stole them from New Orleans. And then eventually, New Orleans got the Hornets, which they stole from. Charlotte. And now Charlotte's got a team that they restarted because the New Orleans Hornets stole it from Charlotte. So they got a new team called the Bobcats. None of that's in this documentary. It's just a thing I happen to know. Anyway, they drafted her and she thought, there's no way I can compete with the men. And she kind of looked at it as a publicity stunt. So she never even tried out for the team. And at that point in NBA history, it was all revolved around the center game. Like the center was the most important piece of the team to have. And then they worked everybody out from there. So I have to agree. I don't think there's any way she would have made a team. And it's nothing against her. She had an amazing post-up game. But she just was not big enough. There's no way that she would have been able to compete. But she has a really good sense of humor about it. And it's a pretty fun little documentary. When We Were Bullies, this is Jay Rosenblatt, who's kind of a famous documentarian. He revisits this incident in fifth grade when this kid in class who was named Dick because he was a Richard and there was four Richards in fourth grade. So they made them Richard, Richie, Rich, and Dick. And nobody liked this kid, it seemed like. He managed to rub everybody the wrong way. But at a certain point, this teacher made everybody in class just sit there in silence because he was like, Richard, you were talking. And so one of the kids who was named Richard was like, I don't want him to think it was me because I wasn't talking. And he realized it was Dick. So he was like, Dick, did that get him as soon as they got out of the classroom? And so they all ran after him and they had him on the ground and they were just beating him up. And many years later, I mean, these people are in their 60s, maybe early 70s. And for some reason, they had this fifth grade reunion, which they said was kind of odd but the director used it as a chance to interview everybody and talk about their memories of the incident and try and kind of get to the bottom of it and then at the end he was going to have an interview with the kid and he decides not to do that because he realized like it's not about the kid's reaction it's about them having done this thing and having to live with it really good documentary and I think being a parent you really look at this and you're like yeah there's something here because you see bullying with your kids whether they're the bullies or they're being bullied It feels Feels like kids take turns at that and it can be very traumatizing and it's something that stays with you like there are certain elements from your childhood that when you think back on them you're like uh I feel really bad about that and that is clearly the case with this one uh, audible is about Frederick Maryland School for the Deaf Has this football team that's on a 44-game winning streak. They're really good. A lot of other teams kind of underestimate them because they're hard of hearing, but they use that to their advantage. In the process of uncovering this team, first off, it opens up with their first loss in a while. It starts out like a typical sports documentary, but then they do laser focus in on a couple of characters. And one kid is really bummed out because his best friend committed suicide because he went to a regular high school after leaving that school, and he had... Had a hearing aid so he could hear a little bit and kids would keep flicking it out of his ear and they keep talking about how hard it is for people who are hard of hearing to be able to incorporate into regular hearing society. It's harrowing when you get to those parts. You find out his dad left him when he was two because he didn't know how to take care of a hard of hearing kid and panicked and he was selling heroin on the streets and he has straightened out and so he's trying to reconnect with his son. And so you've got all of these plots which are leading into the final game of the season, the homecoming game. Really good. Works as a sports documentary. Works making you think about people who are a little bit different than you. All right, the next short is Lead Me Home. So this is basically about the homeless problem within the United States. Um, it interviews a lot of people and kind of shows how they got out on the street. One thing that really Particularly stands out to me was there was this lady who had two kids and she wound up up out on the street because she had an ex show up and pistol whipped her and then raped her. She wound up going to some hotel to stay where somebody else was picking up the bill. And because of that, she wasn't able to get housing. And so she was out on the street and she would spend her day with her kids, like snaking them in the Safeway and then all of them washing themselves up and then either ferreting them off to school or going to the library because it was warmer and then spending every single penny that she had on canned goods so that she could get them through. It's just, it's really harrowing. And then there's another part where the police come and, They are basically forcing all the people off of the street who are in tents in this area, and they have nowhere to take them to. They're like, just leave, just not here, right? So you're basically just pushing the problem to another area. I don't think it has any revelations within this documentary, but it's good to be reminded constantly that this is a problem because it's something that we should be looking at. It's particularly messed up in LA because they have all of these vacant buildings that all of these companies companies from outside the United States have bought and they're just sitting vacant and they're not being used as apartments or anything and nobody can find a place to live. So they wind up on the street. They touch on that a little bit in the documentary. And then finally, the last one I have is three songs for Ben Zair. So this is about a guy who's starting a family with his wife. They don't have much money. So he's trying to find a job and he can't find a job because basically he's homeless and there aren't any jobs around because the U.S. has bombed. So much in the area so he winds up trying to join the military he's unable to join the military because they say that you have to basically show you're with this tribe so that they know where they're coming from and the tribal leaders won't sign off on it because they're worried about being attacked by the taliban so towards the end of the thing you could see he's still lo- like Total love for his family, but also they're absolutely broke, they're starving, his kid is barefoot, like it's just heartbreaking when you're watching it, and if you think that the US government or the Taliban government gives a fuck about their people, I would just say watch this, because it will tell you that absolutely they do not give a fuck about any of the normal Afghanis like on the ground people who are not in a uniform they don't give a fuck about you and it's very evident watching this i will return next week talking with live action shorts and let's get back into the show I want to give a quick review of the Batman, just to let the audience know this is going to be a spoiler-free review. So if you haven't gotten to the theater yet, don't worry about it. Brandon and Carl aren't watching it till it hits HBO Max, right? <laughs> yeah. And so as a result, we'll probably deep dive into it then. I'll probably have to watch it. We'll do, to a, we'll it to do remind a spoiler myself.
0: spoiler review then because. It will become part of the conversation again when that hits HBO Max.
1: Sure. Yeah, it probably will. But I do want to say, was not looking forward to it as everybody heard me kind of like moping about talking about how we're getting too many Batman movies. I went to it because my daughter got her grades up and I wanted to honor that for her. So even though I wasn't really feeling going to sit down for a three hour Batman movie, I was like, all right, let's do it. And what I got was amazing. They actually stuck it to noir like detective movies. You are it is so much like that they have really good use of shadow they have Batman in a crime scene. They have him actually, like, mulling over clues and trying to figure out things. Like, the joke we've been saying for years, Brandon, about, like, oh, this is the one where they're going to go back to his detective roots because they say that every single Batman movie. They did it. They actually did it in this yeah, movie. Yeah, but does
0: his detective vision from the Arkham games no, get activated? No, there is no detective <laughs> vision.
1: <laughs> you got to say something for the sequel, right?
0: Yeah. I want to see detective vision.
1: They do a re- really great job of casting it i did not realize and i know this was a discussion beforehand but somehow i forgot i didn't realize colin farrell was a penguin you didn't and well. he fucking kills it in this movie dude like i suddenly understand why they're making a penguin show yeah like it makes sense to me and guess what they leave villains on the board they don't kill every fucking of villain course, like they I, always i am do. gonna
0: say it's it's weird that hollywood is in putting people in these big prosthetic suits There are actors that, no offense to Colin Farrell either. I used to really not like him, but then I kind of warmed up. You could get somebody like Danny DeVito who looks like that naturally. Like,
1: (laughs) yes. They even had him in prosthetics, though. Jared,
0: but like, yeah, but his prosthetics turned him into a monster, not into (laughs) a slightly bigger guy. Yeah. Like they did the same thing well, with it's, Jared it's Leto th- the in thing, House of Gucci, the thing didn't was... they?
1: They gave him big fat cheeks and okay. you can't compare. Gels. You cannot compare these because they're real people everything, with jowls. I'm just every, saying
0: there are people with literally in real everything
1: life. that Jared Leto does in that movie is it's so over the top yeah. that like they might as well have made him look like that too. But I'm like saying it's ridiculous. That they
0: don't need to use prosthetics to make people look like that cuz people look like that. Okay. Those people deserve to get roles. You can't put prosthetics on a guy that looks like that guy to make him look like Jared Leto, right? You can't. You can make Jared Leto look like Steve Buscemi. You can't make Steve Buscemi look like Jared Leto. It doesn't work both ways.
1: Okay, I hear you. And yet Colin Farrell does a great job as the Penguin, (laughs) which I was just going to like gloss over. Uh,
0: No glossing over with me. I'll gloss it
1: up. There is a couple of times, and I did hear snickering in the theater where they play up the emo thing a little bit. Nice. But does he have
0: Spider-Man 3 uh, emo? Peter Parker hair. Well his hair is bit. stringy
1: and they play Nirvana a couple and he's got, of times. Oh god Nirvana God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's like okay I love Nirvana. It's one of the last things I ever want to hear in a movie It works but it works for like this like because anti- it's like, like corporate. No, I, I, know, I know what
1: you're saying I agree but at the it same time belong. it's like dark and blo- sure. brooding and like it rains a lot in this movie like it feels like fucking That
0: s- sounds more like Alice in Chains music to me
1: <laughs> Well the, the Nirvana a song that they pick works for it, so that's all I'll, I'll say. But the soundtrack is so good; it's not <laughs> like it's actual music with orchestral parts. Whoa, Danny Elfman? No, no. <laughs> no. no, it's like it's something you would hear in like a moody noir is, thing. Wait,
0: is it better though than Danny Elfman's Batman
1: theme? It's not. All right, let me be clear. That that's is the best. Superhero theme, dude. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not gonna speak ill of it, but that theme would be completely out of place in this movie.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Like this movie is supposed to be like a detective. You want like
0: Angelo Badalamenti or like, uh, yeah, Henry Mancini,
1: dude. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, You want some fucking give some trombones something to work with.
1: (laughs) Could like I, I, I tell you a story that's going to drop on a cosmic void in a little bit? Uh, Mike Myers ran into Harry Mancini and Harry Mancini went, hey, kid, that Bohemian Rhapsody thing you did in that movie was fucking great. It's one of the greatest things ever committed to film. And I'm Henry fucking Mancini. <laughs> that's what he told him. <laughs> that's pretty fucked <flexible>. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the last thing I want to say is John Turturro is in this playing Falcone, and he fucking kills it, man! Like every performance in this is the Riddler until towards the end is pretty good, but every other performance in this is amazing. The way he plays Falcone, you completely buy that this is a scary mobbed-up guy. Like Carmine he, he Falcone, is
0: so better than the guy that played him in Batman Begins.
1: Yeah, obviously. Eric Roberts, who I like, but like, he was pretty generic. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have much of a role in there are three villains in this and I would say Falcone's the main villain in this one which makes sense because they're doing the noir. everybody's gonna focus on the Riddler and the Penguin Falcone is the one that's the most important I'm just gonna say it everything is tied together because of Falcone really Uh, Zoe Kravitz is really good in it and she calls out him on his privilege and shit multiple times in it which I fucking love that they actually went there in a Batman movie because it makes sense it makes sense somebody who's like raised in a mansion even if they're an orphan then they're still going to have a measure of privilege and not really realize it. I fucking thought the world of this movie, they maintain that noir thing for all, but the half hour of the movie at the end, which kind of turns into like a save the city thing. Right. That part was not so great. If I'm being so, honest, that's uh, the one thing that stopped it from being better. So that's what I've Dark heard Knight. about. It sounds But you know like what? Truth. Second best Batman movie ever. Like it's so fucking like, uh, good.
0: That movie could have been the length of a normal movie and been better for it. I would have... Okay. <laughs> Two and a I, half hours? Sounds great. If I'd If
1: they had taken out Saving the City at the end, or at least truncated... Actually, I'll say if they had truncated it, because it leads to an end of the movie that I think is important for the movie, that makes sense, that I don't want to get into. Sure. But because I'm trying to keep this spoiler free. <laughs> yeah. But I think for the most time, it justifies its runtime. I'd say... It's justified for two hours and 45 minutes of its runtime. I'll put it that way. And it's a little bit long, but like, it's it's really good, man. It's really good. I was surprised. Like, yeah. I was not looking forward to this. And I forgot, Matt Reeves has kind of just knocked home run after home run. Yeah, he like, tends
0: to do pretty good.
1: Yeah, so hats off to
0: him. Speaking of John Turturro, uh, he's also in a show that I discovered yesterday. And I'd kind of heard rumblings about it. It is a new show on... Apple TV. If you're a fan of Ted Lasso and have been watching it on Apple TV, you've got it for this. And if you don't, Apple gives away trial memberships for fucking Apple TV, like goddamn candy.
1: They also got a lot of good movies that are up for Oscars. I would say
0: that now is a great time to use a trial membership for Apple TV. The show I'm going to talk about is called Severance. It's the first show that I've seen on Apple TV, and I've seen a couple. This is the first one that I think is worth checking out. This It's like if you've been waiting for a reason to try Apple TV, this show is the reason, in my opinion, it's the reason to try Apple TV. Uh, it's directed by Ben Stiller. It stars Adam Scott, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, Patricia Arquette, and some newcomers. It's my favorite kind of science fiction where they're exploring an idea and they're exploring the consequences of the idea and the philosophy behind the idea and the perspectives of it. It's an examination of of our world through this sort of exaggerated lens of science fiction. There's no action. It's not like a violent. I mean, it's got violence in it, but it's not like a violent show or a sex show. It's a it's a show where an implant, you can get this implant in your brain that causes a thing called severance. And what it does is it spatially separates your mind so that when you go to work, you have no home memories. And when you leave work, you have no work memories. You basically get split into two distinct selves, your work self and your home self, and there is zero overlap. So on your first day at your job, you don't know your name or... What, where you are or how you got there or why you're there you don't have any past you don't have any memory of your family you do have general knowledge you don't know what state you're from you can name the states right whatever general knowledge you had going in you still have but memories about yourself are gone and when you leave work at the end of your shift you switch so part of your consciousness like you have a self that only exists at work and when you yourself, arrive at work, your memory like stops and then picks back up as you're leaving work. And that's what this show is about is like the main character, Adam Scott, has been working at a job that he has been undergone severance. And he's been there for about two years. And it turns out he got the job right after his wife died in a car accident. And rather than deal with the trauma of her death, he just goes and forgets about her entirely for eight hours a day. And the show focuses around a girl who's a new hire. So it's her you're seeing, you're being introduced to this office environment through her as she's going through her orientation and really not handling it well, going bucking up against it very harshly. The nature of the job they do is very like uh abstract and bizarre and like uh they are basically categorizing encoded data by looking at a grid of numbers and when they feel a specific feeling around a certain group of numbers like fear, then they take those numbers and partition them away from the rest of the numbers and they've successfully trimmed this data, refined the data. They call it macro data refinement. There's another division in this basement complex that's called ocular and design. And as far as I know, they like put paintings up in the different divisions of the uh, in the offices of the different divisions and they rotate them around to like boost morale in some weird way and they also design tote bags <laughs> and like and that's then nice. the, at one point they in the hallways they come across somebody that's just feeding baby goats and when they come in the guy just starts going they're not ready yet get the fuck out of here they're not ready yet and he's like feeding one with a bottle and this show is fucking it's weird and like when they're in the outside the only time you're in the outside world is with adam scott and he's just like depressed and he lives alone in this big house that's meant for a married couple but she died so he's just in this house by himself and he sits and watches tv when he's not at work and he's just depressed this story kind of kicks off when the girl that's the new hire is replacing a guy that disappeared He'd like one day he was there and then he just stopped coming to work and they're like, oh, he's gone. And his name is Petey. Well, Petey shows up on the outside. And he has undergone reintegration where he's had his two halves of his mind put back together. And it's causing him all sorts of fucking problems. But he's talking to Mark's Audi, which is what they call the outside person. There's the innies and the outies. And uh, he's saying, like, you got to figure out what the fuck's going on in there. It's not. It's fucking weird as shit. You know, it's not okay. There's weird. I think they you know he's got all these theories and he's bleeding from the nose and his mind is like temporally displaced so he keeps like merging the present with past memories and they're overlapping and it's getting really weird man this is just like exactly my kind of science yeah, fiction It's just a this real mind fuck well, this is Philip K. Dick science fiction as it's written not as it's adapted by action directors like John fucking Woo why would you have John <laughs> Woo adapt that book <laughs> God damn it. And the, you could tell you were
1: really Paycheck into it. Could because could so much better. You managed five solid minutes of review before you devolved into a tangent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was really engaging. And everybody's super good. The girl story. Boy, does it evolve. She's like having this civil war with her own self where she wants to fucking quit. She doesn't want to work there. And she keeps trying to leave. But the thing is, is that every time she leaves... She comes back in. And from her perspective, she's like running out the door. And then the next thing she knows, she's maybe she's wearing different clothes because, you know, she went off and did other stuff as the other person. But like every time she they tell her, like every time that you show up here, every time you find yourself here, it's because you you chose to come here, you know. And if you think about it from the perspective of the person that lives on the outside, how nice would it be to be able to like. Go to work, black out for eight hours, wake up. You did a full day's work, you don't have any memory, and you
1: don't. I gotta be honest, it would be a nightmare for me because I practice out bits I'm gonna do on the podcast at work. (laughs) Like everybody is so sick of hearing whatever movie I'm covering or
0: like TV show I'm watching. Well, it sounds like your coworkers would prefer you to be severed. severed Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I
1: would not. Uh, I, need, it's, I need the practice it's, it's very
0: it's, a, it's, an, it's interesting that it, it's a very controversial practice in the world in the outside world of the show which makes it more interesting I think because it, it's not like a secret it's not being kept secret you know like which happens a lot of in a lot of science fiction stories the crazy it's an controvers- or, is, yeah. yeah nobody knows that it's happening so the conversation is never around it's not like a global conversation about the ethics of it it's like a conversation between Two people about, should we do this? Should we not? In this point, somebody already was like, hey, it's profitable, man, to do this. You know, it's clearly an unethical practice when you really, as you examine it. But the people that
1: advocate for it do a good job. And on the outside, a lot of people probably love it because it's like you go in and then you're just like leaving. You don't even have that time. I would hate it personally, but that's also because, I don't know, man. I got a job where I listen you like to podcasts having, and you I like, like having, having a, conversations. Like this is the
0: idea, too. Like the people. If that you are, hate
1: your job, I get it.
0: And imagine being the person on the other side, being the consciousness that literally yeah, cannot leave that work. That would be a nightmare. You never get to sleep, you never get to develop anything outside of a work relationship. You know, I suppose you could develop a relationship with one of your co-workers, a sexual relationship, and I don't know if it would even count as cheating since you would have no memory of any Oh, try and tell your wife that. Other. It but would you, count yeah, as but cheating. But this is the thing. I know what you're saying.
1: I know what you're saying, but your wife would look at it You could never cheating. tell her because right. on the you outside,
0: you would have no memory. You would not know that any of that was even happening.
1: But if she's like, your dick smells funny, what do you do, man? <laughs> Let you me smell you say you say
0: <laughs> yeah. you say I don't know that person on that my Annie is a completely separate person And then she from
1: tells you you're going to fucking quit that job now it's, and we're getting divorced It's not
0: that simple quitting yeah, is I, not easy because the per- See that's a whole part of it is the purse the any has to convince the Audi to quit, but the Audi is unaffected by anything That's going what I'm on. saying.
1: But if the Audi, his dick smells like somebody, then like the Audi's in trouble. So, so sometimes, yeah, I guess that's see, what I'm saying.
0: So if an external force causes the Audi to choose to quit, then the other Innie's, their coworker would just just stop showing up to work. Yep. And never be seen or like. heard from again.
1: Okay, we have one more review to uh that we got to get to. So you saw Turning Red, Brandon. Yeah.
0: So everything you said about Miss Marvel is this movie. I was actually thinking that. <laughs> like uh, I haven't seen Turning Red, but I've read a lot of think pieces about it, and uh, you're absolutely right.
2: Everything you said about Miss Marvel like
0: rebelling against the parents.
2: Yep. Yeah. And uh as I was watching it, like the first thing I realized was i am not any part of the target audience for this movie no nope. two like main demographics for this movie first is teenage girls like 14, 14 15 like that age or people that are like 35 year old women that are like their kids are going
0: through this and well not just women though parents of 13 year old girls no it, it is very female oriented well, but... Isn't that a useful thing for a father, though, is to like get and get gain insight into that female perspective?
2: I mean, I I watched it and I I mean, I got out of it, but it, I am definitely you're not, part of the target. No, you're I just saying
1: you're not you're you not, you're not it. what it's it's geared towards. Which, by the way, Pixar for a long time was geared towards boys. Oh yeah, th- no, this yeah, is so definitely like, a
0: female. This is a yeah step yeah no in I get right what you're direction. saying I get yeah. I'm just saying that you, you definitely still got something out of it right oh I you're an enlightened guy <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you're well, a '90s guy you're sensitive so
0: it so the
2: movie takes place in 2002 like they made that like absolutely clear so so why, Nickelback is the soundtrack did they say uh
0: <laughs> they said it's been one year since 9 11 <laughs> <laughs> well they're in Canada. Eh? It's been one year since Did USA she know? had nine. Everybody in the world felt when the towers. <laughs> yeah, they felt <laughs> that.
1: I learned that from Love Actually.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Continue.
2: There's not a lot to say about this movie. Like I kind of just. I still don't over know
1: it. what this movie's about. So she turns
2: basically, into a panda.
1: I, I mean, I a know that, panda. but I don't it's, know what this movie's it's about. A I it's, know.
2: A, it's a story.
0: Really, a, med- it's a parable about menstruation. It is really. Okay. This girl,
2: she, her family has this genealogy, like history to like once you turn a certain age, you have this ability to turn into a pant like a giant red panda. And like
1: It doesn't stop until you're in your fifties. So you yeah. have you have, <laughs> you have to go
2: through the ritual and you get to you can take your your panda power and like capture it in like a necklace or a watch or usually some sort of jewelry. And then you just are straight laced and all business like hide your Yeah, like it's so the panda is kind of like your free spirit and like power empowerment. Empowerment, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you're supposed to just bottle up your emotion and just like be straight Irish or Scottish. Which ones are the ones that just bury all their feelings? Those are called men. Well, yeah,
1: (laughs) I don't know what the stereotype is. There's like
0: there's this one stand up comedian that has like like I'm part Scottish
1: and our bit is that we're cheap. Is what other Scots so, say.
0: It's some
2: Scottish and Irish. I think it's an Irish comedian. Together, doesn't want
0: to pay for it. There's like an Irish comedian that says like, uh, what we do is we take all of our emotions. We take all of them up. We bury them deep and we boil them down. And then we say one day I'll die.
1: I don't even know if you're doing Scottish or Irish. There. Nah. Well, he's he's <laughs> like a hybrid. He's American. The
0: comedian's American, but he's of, of descent. Okay. Ex descent. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, there, this so does movie, her
1: panda run amok? Is that what so happens? So his her mom she like, runs amok.
0: She sneaks out of the house to go to a boy band concert, and she sneaks out of the house, and her mom's like, she "Yeah." Out? And
2: so does she learn a valuable so lesson at the end?
0: Unwholesome.
2: I don't know. It, UnChristian. So her mom like breaks her thing, and then she <laughs> becomes this like kaiju panda. She's all big. She is huge.
0: Skyline Toronto big. This movie doesn't. I don't believe it has traditional villains. It's one of those Pixar movies. It's like Inside Out. Yeah, they have to come to an or Encanto as well. Like uh, reach an understanding, right? Reach a mutual understanding, a mutual empathy, and everything gets fixed.
2: It's it's a good message. You just just take all your like
0: personality and just bottle it up and. But that was the bad message, right? That she was rebelling against, right? Yeah, See, I she's... never watched it, so, well, so I'm if guessing. <laughs> Does she give in and put her bottle or things no. up at the end? And Brandon well, learns something new. She goes through the ritual, new. but she's like, no, I'm just going to keep the panda. Yeah. Like, so so. She, she subverts the ritual then, yeah. which is like a, a very feminist message. I like it. Uh, this movie's also caught a lot of weird flack from very uh, cherry-picking audiences. Uh, Christian – like I watched on – The Cringe subreddit, I watched a Christian dad review. The guy's like, I'm a Christian dad, and this is my review of Turning Red. And he was a fucking douchebag. Like, they're like unwholesome, uh, telling people to rebel against their parents. And I mentioned this to you the other day, and you made a very good point, which is that, you know, that may be a common thread in more recent. Anytime the parents are alive, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because the history of In Disney cartoons... In the old cartoons, Disney movies, the parents are all alive. fucking dead. Yeah. But like uh, Ariel rebels against her dad... In, goes yeah. into the arms of a sea witch. Uh, that's Mulan only because the mom rebels, wasn't there to speak Mulan rebels to. against her parents and it's, joins yeah. the army and pretends to be a dude. To uh, be fair,
1: that's a very Bell old Belle rebels tale.
0: against her dad and takes his place as the prisoner of a beast in a castle. But Rebelling
1: so, against one's I parents, feel like we're overlooking the Beauty and the Beast message, which is if you love your abuser enough, eventually he'll be okay. Like, like right? It'll be okay. If you just love him hard enough, he'll stop verbally abusing you. Yeah, Belle. Physically abusing Bill
0: rebelled against her father in order to take his place as a kidnapping victim, and then formed Stockholm syndrome with her kidnapper. <laughs> but it worked out okay because she loved she, him so much. She
1: cured his and curse. she could read
0: because love. She fixed him, <laughs> and that and as you know, that's the other message of Beauty and the Beast is that when you're looking for a man, young women, you should always look for a man that needs to be fixed, or like <laughs> Little Mermaid Wait for a broken guy. If
1: you're a woman. You should give up your voice so that you could get a man. That's yeah. the message uh, of that don't one. Talk. Disney's, and, and doing a lot. Disney's doing a lot better lately. And forks are for your hair. Right. <laughs> and under the sea.
0: we <laughs> good. Uh, Eric Andre's dad is Haitian, and whenever he tries to do an impression, like to do his dad's voice, he winds up going into <laughs> under the sea. That's <laughs> 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 pretty great. Uh, anyways, this new movie... It's fine. It's a Pixar movie. It's, it's for kids. It's, it's, for, it's like got a positive I, goddamn, again, goddamn message. Carl has not seen it. <laughs> it's got a positive no, goddamn I, message. I completely agree.
2: Like I, it's it's
0: it's, it's fine. I'm
2: right. It's it's not for me. But I recognize that
1: when you say it's not for me, you mean it's not targeted to you, or you would rather have not watched it. Yes. Okay.
2: Like it's. I didn't get a whole lot out of it. Other than did, like, you, did it the, take something from you? No. Other than an hour and a half.
1: Okay. I got to fucking weigh in on this because I've been watching a <laughs> lot of goddamn Disney cartoons lately for my fucking Oscar stuff. Goddamn you, Disney. Mm-hmm. A lot of Disney cartoons. Like Disney You've Plus has content. a shocking. Yeah, I did. Rosa Diaz is in it. Uh, it's the only Oscar movie I haven't John reviewed because thank God Brandon already reviewed it. But <laughs>
0: Good old Stephanie Beatriz as the main character. Uh, if I, I can just her. weigh it,
1: since, since we're on the subject, if I can weigh in on Encanto, it's what if the X-Men was boring? That's ah. what it is, dude. It's so goddamn boring. It just let's sucks. replace
0: boring with just wholesome. Because l- nine times out of ten, wholesome is boring. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So let's that's just fair. say, what if the X Men were wholesome?
1: Yeah, I just I didn't give enjoy it that it. much credit. I di- I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't sure. entertaining. You know,
0: to be perfectly, you know what honest, was
1: entertaining? Luca. Fucking uh, every other movie that was I on Disney Plus was pretty fucking good, but I that one was boring.
0: I have a pretty I and I I have a pretty diverse taste in music, but Encanto's musical stylings were not to my tastes either. Like the songs. Yeah. Um I just the pacing and the it's. I mean, it's perfectly competent music. As like I and I certainly am not one to like say it's bad. There the songs are bad, but they definitely as popular as they are. They are not my style.
1: Let all. let me be cl- clear too. I like a lot of Cuban beats. I like a yeah. lot of the, oh yeah, the absolutely Afro pop. Like all of all of that kind of stuff. I love. They found a way to take that and make it less interesting in those songs. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like making it slightly white when they do it. I don't know. But it, it just doesn't work. You know what the, I would have done? You know what I would have done?
0: I'm not a big fan of the lyrics.
1: I would have gone and hired Buenos Vistas Social Club because I'm maybe fucking Disney uh, and I can do anything. I would have hired them to do the soundtrack. My
0: my problem with Encanto's music might be Lin-Manuel Burnout. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's fucking, like he he's, directs Tick, Tick, Boom though guy. and it's fucking great. He is but a very Maybe he's doing guy. too many things. I'm just
0: a little burned out on him a little bit. Yeah, he might Although, be doing too many things. he's responsible for Hamilton. And Hamilton the guy, is fantastic. The guy that plays Hamilton is him. David Diggs no. is the lead in Hamilton. Yes.
1: Maybe now. In the movie that's he on Disney Plus also, in the original run, it is Well, David Diggs it, might it be the other him. guy then. D- David Diggs is uh he's uh Thomas Jefferson yeah, yeah. and he's another character too, I can't remember. So he plays Daveed two characters. David Diggs
0: is in uh Wonder. Snowpiercer, the, t- okay, the TV sure. show. But he has this fucking band called Clipping and clipping is the fucking shit you guys like
1: I believe it's seeing him like his, fucking rap as as uh, his Thomas rapping Jefferson.
0: is fucking top dude.
1: shelf okay. dude. I'm just I'm just gonna say top this, shelf we did an episode on a cosmic void with Matt Campbell on this and if that didn't convince people you didn't hear it like fucking watch Hamilton it's legit good I didn't want to watch it I was doing it as a favor <laughs> for my friend to get my friend on a podcast I looked at it, it was three hours I literally groaned to myself when I realized it was three hours I've watched it three times and i don't like musicals like it's fucking good it's so good that's why i'll give miranda a pass dude like yeah like he's when he hits he really hits but he, he never stops working he and i does, think he,
0: he does have some spectacular misses yeah the number one miss of his is which in i the have heights? to point out no 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 it is a two-part Season premiere of season six of House, where he's in a mental institution with House. And at the end of the. Second half of the two-episode premiere, him and Hugh Laurie rap together in Ugh. the mental institution, and you know what it's is the great?
1: worst thing I've ever seen. You know it is great when he's on <laughs> Curb or Enthusiasm and he gets in a fight with Larry David. That was gold. <laughs> there is
0: also an episode of How I Met Your Mother where Marshall has his son, and he's traveling on a bus, and he's trying to keep his son from uh, crying, and the only way he can do it is by doing nursery rhymes. But he doesn't have the nursery rhyme book, so he starts telling stories about his friends to his kid as nursery rhymes. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is in the bus seat across the hall and occasionally jumps in to provide him with rhymes to keep the baby calm, to keep it in, like, a nursery rhyme scheme. Because, like, if he doesn't get the rhyme right, the kid starts crying.
1: I got to ask really quick. Is there any songs in this Pixar movie? No. No this is up your alley man yeah You've I gotta, gotta watch, watch this I, I'm gonna talk about it next week I'm gonna watch <laughs> it for sure I'm gonna tell you whether it's up my alley or not cause you know and I watched
0: fucking six episodes of Blood Drive this week and I'm gonna talk about <laughs> all of the, the whole series next week all right. dude I'm telling you though that guy's great dude that guy Reacher that Reacher guy he's fucking great he's great we,
1: we don't have time for this we'll get all into right, it next fine. week I promise take it easy please rate and review our show Sign up for an anchor account and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. a podcast about the narrative and effective politics of war movies and their productions, too. Charles Horgan and Aaron Donaldson bring you a brand new podcast, The Real War Project. Dip in and out of subjects with Lauren and Sarah's irreverent points of view with the hilarious podcast, Dippers. Catch up with the week's pop culture news as well as reviews of new movies and shows, not to mention the occasional interview with Carl, Brandon, and Biggs on Not Safe for Network wrestlers wrestle but sometimes they make movies too this podcast lets you know how they do listen to eric and connor in all three seasons of movies with wrestlers one by one jeremiah and biggs break down influential movies and some wretched ones too in the podcast you can't miss a cosmic void